Nothing funny was said while you were gone. Um, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, because he's the funny one, right? Oh, yeah. One and a half funny guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fucking mean. <laughs> Good afternoon, and welcome to the fifth podcast of One and a Half Straight Guys. I'm the straightest gay guy you'll ever meet, Cooper. Uh, I'm a Libra, and I'm an Aries rising and a Pisces moon. You're Pisces Moon. Yeah, I'm a Pisces in general. That's what why is that? we're so gay for each other. That's why we're so compatible. Yeah, and I'm Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I never knew my star sign up until I went to schoolies and people were going around. So I, I googled it. I didn't know how to pronounce it, so I told an entire group of recent high school graduates, drunk, drunkenly, "Hey guys, I'm a Virgo." <laughs> uh, oh, dude, oh God! The dude next to me looked at me. I was just like, "It's okay, man. You'll get there." Yeah. And I, and I remember being very confused. <laughs> I was going to say that, but they're just going to make, it's just going to sound like you told them you're a virgin. And yeah. Like, <laughs> at that point, you probably, what? what? Yes. Okay. I was trying to think of a way to be like, dude, what do you mean, what? Um, when I was at schoolies, um, I got abandoned by my friends groups and the only person who was willing to sleep with me was a gay guy. And so I ended up crying and got admitted to the Red Frog's help area. And then I immediately flew out to Japan the next day. I, you heard it here first from our second guest ever, Cooper. Gay sex is worth crying over. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say the idea of having sex with a man was so disgusting that you cried so hard you got admitted to, like, hospital. <laughs> well, no. It, the, the main part was my friends did ditch me uh, because they didn't think I was cool enough. Well, fairs to them because I was an incel. But, uh, yeah, but... The thing is, I know those people. Like, I, I was somewhat friends with them in, in school as well because we went to school together. And they were not cool. Like, they yeah, were losers. <laughs> yeah, that is actually hilarious. Like, it is it is the greatest show of irony for losers to be like, nah, you're not cool. Like, it's, it honestly makes you sound cool if losers tell you that you're not cool. Because their, their idea of cool is so wrong. Hmm. It's fucked up. Well, yeah, like, you know, um, incels, especially in, like, online spaces have a lot of echo chambers where they constantly keep people in a negative loop. And yeah, I somehow have managed to break away from that echo chamber loop, which is, you know, two minutes in, hey Cooper, I used to be an incel. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, shout out to Reddit for raising so many boys to be like that. Yeah, honestly, love patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> love the patriarchy, support it wholeheartedly. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, I actually hate the patriarchy. Um... <laughs> I just need to really make... make if any women are listening to this, yeah. <laughs> I hate the patriarchy and misogyny. I'm so against these Dude, things. racism, just learned about it, terrible, cried about it. <laughs> and if any men are listening to this, if I have sex with you, I will cry afterwards. <laughs> have you introduced the podcast? Yes, Cooper okay. did it at the start. Yeah, Cooper I did. I took over because these two don't have a single ounce of bull in them. Did you say bull? Yeah. As in bull and cuck. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> oh, so you're familiar with it. Yeah. I'm very so which familiar. one are you? I'm very familiar. Cooper, there was something I wanted to ask you. Um, and Rowan might have some input on this as well. But So, like, living with ADHD, it's very interesting. And you're on... You're, you were on Vivance, right? Oh, I still am. Yeah? Yes. You're taking it? Well, uh, yes. On, like, I don't know how to explain it. I use it for, like, restarting routines, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I still take it. Okay. Cause I gave Rowan a Vivance like once or twice before the podcast mm. and he was briefly king of the world. Yes. Oh, I felt like a king. I was like, this is how neurotypical people feel all the time. Yeah. That's dangerous. And then he messaged me. So Vivance lasts like 10 hours and he messaged me five hours in and was like, man, this come down is rough. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't have the heart to tell him that it would last another five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that was the same thing that I told you when I first gave it to you. Yeah, because my first experience with Vivance was when, um, Cooper gave me a week's worth of his and he was like, try it out. Because at the time I was on medication that like made me really like shaky and uncomfortable and whatever. And the Vivance just chilled me out so much. And afterwards I was like, maybe if you take ADHD medication and it makes you feel better, <laughs> you have ADHD. As I, um kid in South Africa. My parents were psychi psychiatrists and I got described, prescribed with either Adderall or Ritalin, mm. whichever one is like the big one in South Africa. Mm. Um, apparently made me chronically depressed Oof. to the point where as like a six-year-old kid, I had to like see a psychologist every week just because of how sad I was. And then my mom was like, maybe we get him off of this. 
and then she bought me a watch instead so I can help manage my time better. That is such a neurotypical <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> hey, dude, have you got a planner? Um, have you tried writing reminders? Have <laughs> uh, you tried just not being lazy? Yeah, <laughs> literally. Dude, stop being such a lazy bum and get off the computer, you know? I um, my, When I first saw a mental health professional, I was like 14. And I, it was a psychologist. And it was for my anxiety. Because I had like really bad social anxiety when I was like 14. To the point where I like wouldn't leave my room if someone was in the house that I didn't know. And my mom was like, this isn't good. Like we need to like kind of fix you. So I went to a psychologist and I had a few appointments and it was really awkward because it was a stranger. I didn't know them. I was anxious as hell. And they were like, what's your like biggest trigger? Like what, what makes you the most anxious? And I was like, oh, like talking in public out loud, like on the phone, that kind of thing. Like that makes me really anxious. And she was like, all right, we're going to try exposure therapy and we're going to get you to have a phone call in public. And I was like, sweet. And I went home and I said to my mom, I'm never going back. <laughs> and I, I never saw her again. <laughs> I thought by exposure therapy, you were actually just going to like be naked. naked in like in broad daylight. Just right. We're going to get you to expose yourself to a group of people, even though you're underage. <laughs> sweet. I forgot no. you were 14 in the story. <laughs> yeah. uh, like notably, there's no age where you can legally be outside naked. <laughs> <laughs> Found that out the hard way. <laughs> Cops don't like it when you run through the park naked. I got bullied severely, uh, at school. So I ended up going into like a lot of like, kind of like help areas for, but I never got diagnosed until like grade 11. So when I was around about like 16, 17. Yeah. So I was like really late diagnosis and stuff like that. Um, but like I went to all these like anti-bullying things and like therapeutic help essentially for a lot of that stuff. And it never helped. It was always the whole, like, victim-blaming kind of thing. Like, oh, it's your fault that you're getting bullied and stuff. Like, this is how you help. Like, this is how, like, you can help yourself in this situation. And any time I actually tried it, because I was so desperate, I was very depressed, like, pretty much since maybe, like, grade five, honestly. So, like, constantly getting shunned, tried using everything, everything was terrible. And, like, none of it actually worked. I ended up becoming, like, very jaded and, like, very opposite of myself. I was very, like, a bright kid. So, like, I was, you know, very energetic, very quick to movement. Like, as a kid, just very strong as, like, being able to physically do any tasks that I could possibly challenge myself with. I was super, like, into sports, all that kind of stuff. And because of that, I, like, wanted to be on stage, essentially, like, if that makes sense. Got really jaded in high school, got diagnosed, and then that's, like, where I started to, like, improve myself, and I got put on a lot of antidepressants that didn't work, and then I finally met my psychiatrist that I currently see now, and he put me on Vyvanse, and it literally changed my life. Like, it literally went from me being, like, clinically depressed, like, slight self-harming, and, like, like, very, like, bad episodes, and then... I just started to like become a lot more okay with myself and a lot more like, oh, I can actually deal with a lot of these like super anxious moments and super depressed moments and stuff like that. Like highs weren't as high, but lows also weren't as low. And I think that's what like helped me balance myself out, even though I am still a maniac and an actual daredevil. Um, I'm, I'm a real, only, I'm a bit of a daredevil myself. <laughs> yes, yeah, says the one who fucked his feet up on uh, jumping off balcony. Yeah, I'm not a daredevil. I'm an alcoholic. There's a difference. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like true. I like how you substance said substance abuse. The difference between hurting yourself properly and not. I like how you said jumped off the balcony as if you didn't fall. I jumped. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You, you dr- hung there and then you fell. I hang there and let go on purpose. That doesn't mean you didn't fall. Like, it, <laughs> I, you had to let go at some point. You were too drunk to pull yourself up. So the only choice was hang there until your fingers gave out or just commit and fall. And you just committed. You know, I, I will give it committing to something like that. Pretty cool. I, um, the worst part was when I was falling, my brain was like, what do you do when you're falling? Because I had a quarter of a second to think of this. Um, what do you do when you're falling from a notable height? Oh, you have to stiffen your legs as much as possible, right? That's how you break the fall. Yeah. And that's the, that's what made me hurt my tootsies. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I read somewhere that drunk people sustain the least damage when they get like hurt because they're so like limp. Like they, they don't tense up at all. So like the more limp you are, the less you get hurt. And that was the opposite of what you decided <laughs> to do. Uh, I might add here that 
he fucked his foot up not because he had stiff legs, but because he landed on the edge of a tiled... No, I landed on the grass. Did you? No, I thought you landed on the concrete. No, you landed... I landed on the concrete? Uh, I think you landed on the concrete. I was there way... There is an edge. How? All right, no, there is an edge of, like, a tiled decking area and the grass. You landed half on it, half off it. So your feet split because it hit the edge of the tile. That makes more sense. Mm. Um, luckily, we had a nurse at the party. Yeah, and she was hilarious. She just laughed at you the entire time. As she should have. Yeah, and it was incredibly funny watching that happen. People oh. explicitly told me it wouldn't be funny if I jumped off. And then I did it, and no one laughed, and I got mad at people for not laughing. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of, um, just before we were talking about psychiatrists and stuff, my, um, my first psychiatrist, he did a few things that were like, red flags like he ended up being a shit psychiatrist and he ended up moving to like thailand or something with his mistress so not not that great of a guy but one of the things he did was he called me a retard oh no like mid-appointment he didn't he didn't outright say it but i sat there because most of my appointments were spent staring at him because i refused to speak because i was very like introverted and like shy and like anxious and whatever and he would he refused to speak because he was waiting for me to break the vow of silence so we would just stare at each other for like 15 minutes at the start of every appointment and at one point i like actually said something and i was like man i just feel retarded like this is when i was like 15 and i did, when when did, we didn't know you can't say that yeah. yeah when when it wasn't like it was it was obviously something you couldn't say but i was like 15 so i wasn't like thinking about like the PC-ness of the things that I said, regrettably. I have to purge my Facebook memories every so often. Yep. Um, but I said, I was like, man, I feel retarded. And he was just like, yeah, I think you are. And I was like... Oh. <laughs> and I was like, Dude, hearing cool. that from a clinical psychologist as well? Yeah, literally. Dude, what a fucking, like, baseball bat swing to the head. Yeah. The ego. Like, holy fuck. The, the weird... The thing that I think about psychiatrists and psychologists a lot is how much power they hold over the things that, like they could tell you yep. because for me, like I go, if I, if I went to my psychiatrist and they said some shit like, um, wake up, nothing's real. I would fucking lose my mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if anyone else said that to me, I'd be like, whatever, they're joking. But if my psychiatrist said that to me, holy shit. Seriously. Yeah. No, I, have you guys seen those trends of like pranksters on like TikTok and YouTube that like in the middle of public will like say random shit to random people? Yeah. And like, like, for example, wake up. Like you're in a simulation. Nothing's real. Wake up. Like they said that to people who are like walking along like the street, like just randomly. So like, you don't know this person whatsoever. You have no idea there's a camera anywhere. They're just walking down the street and they just lock eyes with you as they walk and they're nothing's real. Wake up, get out of the simulation and keep walking. Like so many people have problems with that. And like, I have no idea why people do it. It is actually disgusting. It's, it's as bad as those, like, prank videos where they, like, pretend that they jumped out a window or some shit to their, to their partner, and they, like, hide mm. under a bed and they put, like, a fake, like, thud noise outside. Like, that is not fucking funny. Oh, yeah. That is traumatizing. Like, literally. There's that one YouTuber that, like, lied about his girlfriend dying. Fucking J-Station? J-Station. Oh, my God. What is that? Um, he's the guy that... Does the 3 a.m. videos. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's 3 a.m. I'm going to call the Among Us guy. Oh, I'm scared. That's him. He also did... He is notorious for, like, literally after people, like, celebrities have just died. Like, not even, like, two hours of their announced death. He'll be like, I'm calling them at 3 a.m. I'm going to I'm gonna contact like, the stead YouTuber with the Ouija board. Yeah, and, like, fully farm their, like, death for money. And, yeah. like, clout. Like, uh, I think it was... He did Little Peep. Little Peep, And then yeah. he did, like, the a few YouTubers that have died. Yeah, and, like, immediately calls, like, says, I'm going to call them at 3 a.m. It's very disgusting. His audience is children, yeah. obviously. Mm. So children. people that believe he's actually talking to, like, these people, or people that believe his 3 a.m. calling the fucking Among Us imposter while fucking 69ing Satan videos are like real um they're he's so not, he's not wrong <laughs> like wrong, no he's not wrong. Those, not are, wrong those are those real. are real those are real cooper <laughs> those the are real. biggest jay station fan uh, um but he also he does like very subtle selling your soul demonic like rituals as well that kind of like hint at kids to like do it at the, like sell your soul essentially it, it gets really predatory. Like, if you start looking at some of, like, the underlying things, I would highly oh, suggest yeah. uh, um, Nerd City's review yeah. on that. 
Nerd City's like extensive investigation on it is really interesting. The the dudes are practicing Satanists, but not like the cool kind. The like really cringy kind. I didn't think there was a cool kind. There's there's oh, there's, there's like the there's, Church of Satan. Right? Yeah, so the Church of Satan Satanists are like the cool kind. They're the ones that. I'm like very a little bit uninformed. I know like a little bit about this, but like the see Satan as like a idol to be like respected, but they don't actually believe he's like a real deity. They like sort of follow the teachings of the the Satanic Bible, right? Like the idea of a god, not yeah, the, not a god itself. And then you get the I believe that's called the non-theistic Satanists, and then you get the theistic Satanists who like believe the entire Christian Bible, but they are like God's the bad guy in this. They're the like the whole like they're the like sacrificing goats, fucking. Burn down churches, kill the Virgin Mary, motherfuckers. Kill your bass player in a black metal band, motherfuckers. Um, they make great music. They just don't make good people. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm actually know. terrified that my landlord's going to walk in one day, look through my record collection, see all the upside down fucking crosses and just like music by like fucked up people that's like kind of good and just be like, actually I might kick this dude out. I find it very funny that you listen to that kind of stuff as a Christian yourself. Like you're like you're like fairly Christian. Like, I'm quite Christian. Like like more than the average like twenty three year old guy would be. Yeah. Like um, uh, my entire opinion about that um is I don't know like for me the enemy quote unquote of Christianity isn't like atheism. It's not Satanism. It's, it's the gays. It's <laughs> Alex. <No. laughs> it's um Christians. Like fuck it. Like City Point Christian College. Yeah. Right. 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 Enemy of Christianity. More people have stopped becoming Christian because of churches like City Point, churches like the fucking, what's like that? Evangelicals, right? Like evangelical Christians that are like super exclusionary to like different groups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like they've turned more people away from Christianity than they'll ever bring to it. Mm. That like, those are the people that make Christians look bad. Satanists are like, no one has ever stopped being a Christian because of Satanism. Yeah. If someone went from being a Christian to being a Satanist, they would have become an atheist instead if they never heard of Satanism. Like, no one no one goes, I actually really fucking like the this shit. Theist, non-theistic Satanism has the same appeal as atheism. Like, it's just the people don't like the teachings of the Bible, which usually even just means they don't like the teachings of their specific, probably very bigoted church. Mm. So they turn to something else. Well, um, I, I do know yeah. that, like, certain churches of Satan are, like, for women's rights, like, for abortions and stuff like that. And um, for, like, a lot of people who, like, specifically want to follow science that goes against Christian, like, Bible teachings and stuff like that. Yeah. So they use it as a way to, like, say, like, hey, my religion is to actually have body autonomy. Or my reason is, like, I want to be able to be gay or explore myself without feeling like I need to be judged by some, you know, dude in the sky, essentially. Exactly. So, um, I wanna, yeah. I want to be able to be gay. Like, I, w- <laughs> I fucking wish I was gay. <laughs> like, Satanism is not a attack on Christianity. It's a attack on what vulnerable people have been told Christianity should be. Yeah. Mm. Like... Christianity doesn't have to be bigoted. It doesn't have to be a fucking. It's not literal either. I don't yeah. think. I don't think the teachings of the Bible are necessarily literal either, because you know, there's a verse in there that says you can't eat shellfish. Like, and it was almost guaranteed that it's because they had infections. Yeah. And someone was just like, "Don't eat shellfish. You're gonna get fucking sick." We can eat shellfish now because we're not gonna get sick. So like, you know, well, there's. Yeah. Most of us can. Some people have allergies. I like the thing I find this the most insane about like helicopter parents, like Christian helicopter parents that don't let their children or like think anyone that like listens to anything outside of like the Christian norm. Um, the thing that like fucks me up about it is like let's say if I listen to a satanic album and people are like, Why would you do that? You're gonna corrupted. Do hardcore devout Christians really think that Satan has such a good message? That if I listen to one satanic album, I'm going to get turned. If Satan's message is that fucking good, sick. I'm happy I, I'm happy I heard it. I'm, sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, I was trying to start. Yeah, so <laughs> that's all good. You're allowed to laugh. Oh. Um, it's hard not to. Um, yeah. Like, if I, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, like, I'm not going to listen to fucking the mysteries Don Satanus and be like, I need to burn down every Norwegian church I can see. I'm going to listen to that and be like, these kids were hurting a 
and the fucking church, the, the way Christianity was shown to them was fucked up. And this was the outlet. If you you should not be hiding from media that is against quote unquote, like quote unquote what you believe. You should be consuming media of all the points of views so that you can see what you believe, what you don't believe, and where bigotry comes from. Exactly. And be empathetic. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and then once you understand all those different points of views, then you can start being like, okay, maybe this point of view is fucking stupid, and I don't want to know more about it. Stop watching media about that. Yeah, I, I grew up with two very atheist parents and like my dad is so atheist that he gives shit to my grandmother who is very Christian, like constantly is like telling her like God isn't real, like prayers do nothing, like that kind of stuff. So with two atheist, like heavily atheist parents, I grew up believing um, life was a simulation, but that, <laughs> but that might be a side effect from the mild schizophrenia. <laughs> If you have mild, I want to see spicy. (laughs) (laughs) It it fucks me up seeing like people who have like full blown schizophrenia and they like do like fucked up shit. And I like, I think in my head, I'm like, that could be me. Like that's fucked. And then I like go to work like a normal person with like paranoid delusions in my head. And I'm like, this is fine. Um, (laughs) I like how me and Cooper were talking about like, Hey, we have like ADHD and you're just like, so my psychosis. (laughs) Way to one up us. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to bring it up, but like, <laughs> I'm fucked. <laughs> a great segue to that. Um, so I travel quite often. It was a terrible segue. That, I was going to say, that is a shit segue. Cooper <laughs> has the energy of like, great health student, has a big speech coming up, has like palm cards. Just like flipping through them. <laughs> I actually don't have anything on hand. I have been asking uh, the people that I live with. The people like, that I live with. Just say your parents, bro. <laughs> 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 I swear I've been asking my roommates and... my, my roommates mom and dad <laughs> fuck me dude. they take me out the back and shoot me fuck me <laughs> so we have this running gag in our friend group where we have to get really stupid shirts for each other um, I think they're stupid yeah yes <laughs> quality shirts what are you talking about i just wanted to mention the one that i'm currently wearing so for some context i am a weeb um i am an i am for context a i'm an otaku really... yeah yeah dude even worse holy shit um so i I'm... no actually i'm not saying that <laughs> um so i'm a massive weeb i have anime tattoos on me um an asian girlfriend i have anime tits yeah um <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're not laughing at Rowan's joke. We're laughing at my girlfriend flipping Alex off. Um, (laughs) so Alex got me this shirt for Christmas and it says anime was a mistake. Um, and I just wanted to say that it has probably humbled me the most out of any shirt that he has ever given me, including the Need for Speed one. Oh, Um, the, are you talking about the, the Fast and Furious one that was like, don't fuck with a girl who was born in November and loves the Fast (laughs) and Furious franchise. Like, <laughs> Dude, and it's not only that; it is a size too small for me. It is a woman's shirt. <laughs> it is uncomfortable to wear. It is not only too small, but the material is so scratchy that it's like physically uncomfortable to wear. Not just physically, but also mentally for me. I am a Libra, so I'm born in October, um, and only male manipulators. No, it's the way around. You were born in October, so you're a Libra. Don't tell me how to talk. <laughs> I um, I'm, I'm actually wearing. Um, Charlotte's clothes right now. Um, one of her shirts and a thong. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one thing I've really just been wanting, just really been wanting to talk about. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do, can I point out your shirt? Yes. Sure. Rowan currently is wearing a shirt that has on it the words Oakley Doakley, which is a metal band dedicated to Ned Flanders. Yes. And it is, there's a, the bunch of images of Ned Flanders looking guys with weapons, like, hurtling towards the viewer. You need to specify that in Oakley Doakley, the word kill in both words is highlighted. Oh, yes. I didn't even notice that. It's a Ned Flanders theme metal band, and all the members refuse to give their real names, so they get, like, nicknames. So there's Head Ned, Shred Ned, Dread Ned, and then, like, two other Ned names. They're spectacular live. And they, they all dress up as Ned Flanders, don't they? Yeah. Um, Insane. Yeah, I am sexually attracted to every single one of them, um, especially the one ripping his sweater off and showing that one very large nipple. It's very on- brown. That, that little salami nip. Yeah. Rowan. Rowan said to said to us one day. He was like, "I think my nipples are brown," and Rowan is the whitest guy ever. Like, 
like pay like sunscreen for fireworks kind of thing. Yeah, no, seriously. Um, <laughs> like uh, I, I agree. I'm, I'm pretty damn white. You're um, notably whiter than me. I'm, yeah. I'm actually not. I think I have a more tanned arm on top than I do on the bottom. Yeah, but I have, I have a more tanned personality. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> what the fuck? What? Once you, once you get to know me, yeah. I, can, I, can, I can say the n word. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, um, swiftly moving on. So. Oh yeah. What did you want to talk about? On episode on episode three, we have first guest Max. He, I have very recently, only a few days ago, become his boss. That's insane. He, I got him because I got promoted and then I got him the job that I had. Fuck, it's been funny. Yeah. Um, I've never been in charge of anyone before. So this is like a full power trip for you. Oh yeah, like, I've been his got, boss. You got a power boner, like yeah. raging every single day at work at a kid's school. I've been his boss for two <laughs> days. He is already regretting it. <laughs> First thing I did was change his display name to the intern. Whenever he logs in, it just goes Max the intern. <laughs> and he doesn't have the access yet to change that. Actually, <laughs> the funny part is he has the access if he knows what he's doing, but I'm not going to teach him how yet. Um, what a great supervisor you Honestly, are. two days into being his boss, I got a new job. So threw him into the deep end and now I'm leaving him there. Nice. He doesn't have that mentor who can teach him everything that you learned in your time being there. Exactly. Oh nice. Um, I will be there for like another two weeks. So he's going to, I'll teach him all I can. But yeah, it took, it took two days for um, us to get sick of each other. So I'm excited <laughs> to be his boss for another two weeks and just make his life as hell as possible. Mm-hmm. The, the, I think, like, obviously it's been all fun and jokes, but the one moment I feel legitimately bad for was when, because he's the front desk guy and then, like, in the back room, it's me and my manager. Me and my manager were talking about how sick our pay raises have been after being promoted. Yeah. And then Max was just sitting there, two meters away from us, just... Just realizing he's being paid minimum wage. <laughs> Speaking of friends, working with friends, Alex and I worked at a lumberyard together in Canada. Oh as yeah, forklift drivers. We were we were lumberjacks briefly. You're forklift yeah. licensed. I yeah. we are we are both forklift licensed, but it's only valid in Canada, which uh, sucks. I'm sure you could get credits for it if you went to do your forklift certification in Australia. Like you wouldn't have to do the whole course or some shit because you have your like qualification from another country, but like. The forklift qualifications in Australia are so much harder than they are overseas. Like overseas, they just walked us up to a forklift and went, ah, oh, this is the wheels. This is the tines. Get in. And we were like, <laughs> okay. And we just like fucked around and drove around the place. Uh, it was actually so genuinely fun. Uh, so we were working night shift at a uh, lumberyard in just after the main winter. So I think it was like just entering spring. So the main still... winter, as opposed to the secondary winter. Yeah. Yes. Um, Dude, have you not been to Canada? I've not been to Canada, <laughs> notably. And we, we, we worked at basically Canadian Bunnings. Yeah. Which was What's it called? Rona. Yeah, I yeah, know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ironic now. <laughs> uh, not back then, but when we were forklift driving. So we lived together for a while and Alex apparently... L- wait, 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 lived together for a while. Loudest masturbator I've ever met. <laughs> I was trying to skim over that part. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, I regret nothing. I will not apologize. Um, Yeah, look, I can't fault you for it because, like, I'm sure I did as well. But, like, you're just too nice to bring it up. Because I I scream when I come. I'm I'm an exception. I know, I can confirm. (laughs) Speaking of how you're leaving your job after dumping Max at that job... Alex was feeling very homesick and he was like, okay, he's feeling home. very homosexual. Homo. Yeah. He ended up going home. Um, and I had about three weeks left in the country cause I had to wait for my visa to go up. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait another two weeks. Uh, and my flight should be able. And those two weeks were most likely one of the most boring fucking weeks of my entire life two weeks in canada without alex yeah i was gonna say the most boring time of my life perfect thing to talk about on this podcast (laughs) 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 nothing interesting happened and i will tell you about none of it (laughs) um Um, yeah it was it was rough because the entire time that we had been at that night shift forklift job was just purely based on the the shenanigans that alex and i did at that lumberyard. That was the only thing that got us through. 
the fact that he was gone and I had to do another two weeks, I was tempted to put the forklift in drive and stand in front of the fucking prongs because I was just <laughs> like, like, it was grueling. Not only were the people that we were working with old and, like, extremely out of touch, but, like, I'm fairly certain one of them was, like, extremely racist. It usually happens in the as workplace. A, as someone who has worked in retail... Yeah, it comes to the territory. One, one yeah. is a good number. Yeah, like, <laughs> you only had one racist old guy? Well, there yeah. were probably more, but there not were... as outward about it. Yeah. Sure. I, I must say that it was fun while it lasted when I was with Alex, but I do not ever want to work at a lumberyard ever again because it was actually the most boring stuff. I think we split, like, we split so many planks of wood. Oh, yeah. When you when you drive in to pick up a bunch of wood, like, say you need 200 planks of a certain wood, instead of dragging them over to the forklift and, like, putting them on the tines one by one, you would just count the rows and count about 200 and then put the tines in. But putting them between the wood was really hard because if you miss, you just split a bunch of wood. Me and Cooper did not give a fuck. <laughs> and we just drove straight into the pile, splitting like six pieces of wood, breaking half of them and just like lifting it up and like, yeah, that's about 200. <laughs> I specifically remember Alex picking up a bunch of like the ties that they use, like these plastic ties. And pretending to be the villain from Iron Man 2. And just- <laughs> <laughs> if you could make God bleed, people will stop believing in him. <laughs> that's like that's like I told Cooper's girlfriend, Tash. I was like, I was talking about going to the bathroom and I was like, oh, I went to the bathroom and my cat and my, like my dick was hanging over the toilet lid and my cat came up and sniffed it. I was like telling a funny story. And then Tash was like, nice brag saying that your dick hangs over the toilet seat and not in the bowl. And I was like, this is embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, too fair, Charlotte once, Charlotte once looked at me and said, because I made a joke about, oh, if you average me and Alex's dick, um, it's a regular dick size. And she was like, Lex's dick isn't 12 inches long. <laughs> <laughs> and the worst part was she got confused when I started yelling because she thought that I was complimenting me. <laughs> um, speaking of forklifts, I want to bring up the funniest thing that happened to, it didn't happen to me. It happened to my mom a few years ago. So she was, died in a forklift accident. Yeah, pretty much. Um, no, she, so she fell and broke her leg while she was overseas for a work conference or something like the path was fucked up and she didn't notice. And so she tripped and fell and broke her leg. And it's like, damn, that sucks. Like rip, like unluggy. Then on her way to the hospital a few weeks later, she was walking to her physiotherapy for her broken leg and she gets hit by a forklift and breaks her other leg. <gasps> no. So she broke both her legs and she called me from the hospital. I was at a friend's place and she said, hey, like I broke my other leg. And I replied, does that mean I have to find my own way home? <laughs> <laughs> um, is this why she like get attacked by geese? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got, a, I got a nice payout though, because she had a lawsuit with the hospital that um, where the forklift hit her leg and she got paid out a bunch of money. Like not an insane amount of money, but enough to cover her like medical fees. Enough to buy stuff. a new leg. Yeah. <laughs> enough to get bionic legs. She's actually Robocop now. Um, but she got, she got a little payout, which was nice. And she gave me a, a, like a few hundred bucks being like, thanks for taking care of me. Like while I was like incapacitated or whatever. And I was like, sweet. What the hell? Like 500 bucks for doing almost nothing. Like I, I like made dinner like once or twice. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's probably a good time. Oh, we're moving on. Section. We're forcefully moving on. This podcast has been run by the fascist. Yeah. <laughs> She's actually uh, put up a piece of paper that says Jewish with an exclamation point <laughs> instead of a question mark. And she points it every time she needs something changed. She just yeah. looked at Alex and then drew a line through the word Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> Notably, Emma has not mentioned a single word this entire podcast. She's oh. not meant to. Women are banned from speaking in this. If we ever have a woman guest on, she'll just be there to look at. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Women are really nice to look at. Is that bad? You're trying to save it? I'm not trying to save it <laughs> at all. <laughs> Anyone else like looking at women? I can appreciate a woman. Anyways, so what, uh, what book have you been reading? Okay, so. Hello and welcome to Alex's Little Gay Book Corner. No, Gay Little Book Corner. Is that not what I said? I said Little Gay Book Corner. Big difference. Oh, actually, get out. Yeah, you're banned. So I didn't take many notes on this book because I finished reading it today. So it's kind of fresh in my mind. So hopefully I remember as much as I can. I like how we do all we can to break the illusion of professionalism here. Yeah. <laughs> really set the expectations low, you know? <laughs> so the book is called The Vegetarian by Han Kang. I'm going to Google if that's a guy real quick because that really matters like a lot. 
about what I say. Oh, my favorite the, um, yeah. memes are my girlfriend Tash shows me is male book authors' descriptions of women. I love that it is shit. actually so funny. Like, I have no idea if these people have actually seen women in their life. It's like that, um, that thing's happened recently. The new Horizon game, Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah. The on her face, oh, the yeah. female main character has slight hairs because she's Scientific. human. Yeah. Yeah, and she lives in like a tribal time. Well, yeah. even like just women just have, if you yeah. look close enough, <laughs> the tiniest bit of hair on their face, and men are just like, "Why does she have a beard? <laughs> <laughs> Why are there such sexy sideburns? You know? <laughs> Why do you have to masculate my fucking idealistic, sexy tribal robot killing woman?" I like how um in on on Reddit, yes I use Reddit. There's a gaming circle joke subreddit and they um took this joke where someone posted two photos side by side of the main character from like that game uh from the previous game and the new game and they were like and they edited the um the new one to make it look more feminine and they were just like hire fans to create your like your female characters because we make them look like how they should basically. Hot and airbrushed anime as fuck yeah. as all women should be. and the gaming circle joke subreddit took that really far and started making them look like basically yassified like <laughs> <laughs> like with like huge fake lashes like plump lips like heavy makeup and they were like haha like higher fans we make the female characters look how they should and it's just fucked up and you're like what the hell <laughs> okay so i'm gonna get into the book so it was by an author called han kang and I looked it up. She's a female author, which throws my theory of male writing out the window, which is annoying um, because there's a lot of heavy descriptions about women and like their breasts. And I was about to say pointed breasts that yeah. just allure me towards them. Yeah. And it, while I was reading it, I was like, this is gross. But then I realized as a female writer, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I guess she gets a pass. Sometimes women can be gross too. Yeah. But like, I think the whole point of like, Charlotte's going to kill me because this is like one of her favorite books. But I think the point of it was to talk about how, like, perverted and disgusting men can be, kind of thing. And that's why the descriptions were so, like, vulgar. Because it was through the eyes of a man, kind sure. of thing. Mm. But basically, it was a Korean novel translated. And it's about this woman who becomes a vegetarian, obviously. The first half of it is about her husband. And he's talking about how he married her because she's very boring. And, like, how she won't, like, she won't ever do anything that he doesn't want her to do. And like, she's very meek and that kind of thing. She just does the things a wife should like make dinner and do the laundry and that kind of stuff. And without complaint. And she just does all that stuff. And he just lives like a fucking King because he just goes to work, comes home. Everything's done for him. One day though, she goes, he finds her at like 3am in the kitchen and she's throwing out all the meat in their fridge. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Wait, I need that. Yeah. I need the meat. I need that. Um, he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she won't say anything. And he's like, what the fuck? And eventually she just says, I had a dream. And he's like, this is fucked. And he goes back to bed and he like wakes up and he asks her again. And she's like, I had a dream. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? And then the- women don't dream. Yeah. <laughs> women can't have conscious thoughts. They're not real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The book explains her dream and it's where she like basically was like covered in blood and she like ate the body of an animal and it like she was eating its flesh directly off the dead body of the animal and it basically disgusted her so much that she didn't want to eat meat anymore. Sorry, can I just take over one second? After Cooper made that joke, he immediately looked over to Tash to make sure that joke was okay. It so yes, wa- disgusting animals eating yeah. meat bad. Spoiler, the, the joke wasn't good. <laughs> anyway, she decides to be vegetarian and he freaks out and he's like, because I don't know when this was written, but in like Korea, I assume being vegetarian isn't like as widely accepted as it is in Western culture. So he was like freaking out being like, you can't be vegetarian. Like that's fucked up. And eventually he's like, he thinks he's like, oh, she'll get over it. Like it's, this is just a phase, something like that. I'll, I'll just ignore it and she'll get over it. But she doesn't get over it and she starts cooking like vegetarian meals at home and he gets pissed because he's like, I want to eat meat. Eventually he kind of gets used to it and just eats the vegetarian at home and eats meat while he's out at like work and stuff like that. But he, he kind of gets fed up with it. So he calls her family, like her father, which is his father-in-law. Tells on her. And tells on her. Literally, he <laughs> tells on snitch, her. snitch, dude. He's like, he's like, yeah, everything's going okay, except your daughter has decided to become vegetarian. And her dad is like, what the fuck? Like, First she stops eating animal meat, then she stops eating my meat. That, When's it going to end? That actually happens. You're kidding. She stops having sex with him because he smells like meat. 
like she she said he's like why when you have sex with me and she's like you reek of meat and he's like I had a shower like I can't reek of meat and she's where's the smell coming from and she's like your pores like you when you sweat it smells like meat your natural musk is just too meaty for me yeah. dude you've been in a simulated hunt you know you just smell like rotten flesh literally so he calls her family one by one like he calls her dad then he calls her mom and then he calls her sister and just is like, oh yeah, everything's going well, except she's not eating meat anymore. And they're all like, what the fuck? And they're like, we're going to come down and we're going to like sort this out. So like a month later, her family comes down for like a housewarming party um, for her sister and they get really mad at her and they're like, you should eat meat. Like, like you should really like be eating meat because you look so skinny now and like you need to be healthy and there's no reason you shouldn't be eating meat and blah, blah. And it gets to the point where the father holds her down and pushes a piece of pork into her mouth. What the fuck? Literally. It's fucked up. And like everyone just stands there and watches. Even her husband is just like watching. And he like does that. And she freaks out and like screams and like spits the meat out as soon as it gets into her mouth. And then she grabs a knife and like tries to kill herself because of the like dire situation. And the whole family's like, what the fuck? And then her, so the, the vegetarian's sister's husband picks her up and runs her to the hospital, like runs her to the car and then takes her to the hospital. They, they get to the hospital. She stays there for a few days and then the husband stays with her. And so does the vegetarian's sister's husband. There's a lot of family connection and it's, it's hard to explain. So they stay with her for a little bit. And then the, um, the husband is still there. The brother-in-law leaves eventually. One day the husband falls asleep in the hospital chair and he wakes up and she's gone. And he finds her outside in a fountain with her shirt off, like absorbing sunlight, basically. What and the fuck? Yeah. So she's, yeah. she's like losing her mind. The husband's like, what the fuck? And then it cuts to the perspective of the brother-in-law. I, the, this is really weird, but the, the brother-in-law had a conversation with his wife, which is the vegetarian's sister about the vegetarian and the, his wife mentioned that the vegetarian had a birthmark on her ass. Okay. And the, the brother-in-law became obsessed with this thing, with this birthmark. Like he just could not stop thinking about the fact that she had a birthmark on her ass. And he like, he was an artist, right? So like he, he has like a studio or his friend has a studio that he uses and he like does sketches and does like video, video art and things like that. And he sketched a bunch of like naked images of the vegetarian, uh, in like different positions, like doing different shit. So hentai. Yeah, basically <laughs> if, a, if an Asian person draws, it's hentai. anime or hentai. <laughs> yeah, dude, there's no, there's no in between. <laughs> so he becomes obsessed to the point where he goes over to her house. Oh, by the way, at this point, the husband of the vegetarian has divorced her for being crazy. Vegetarian, Makes yeah. me not eat meat. Doesn't give me sex. Divorce. Divorce. What Literally. is a woman good for? Yeah. Was this written by a South African man, actually? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they've divorced. So the, the vegetarian lives on her own now. So the brother-in-law goes and hangs out with the vegetarian. And he basically asks her, he says, will you let me paint you naked? Like paint on you naked and film it? And this girl, kind of crazy, is like, sure. And he's like, but we have to keep it a secret. Because obviously he has a wife. And like, this is fucking weird. Yep. It's also the sister of his wife. Literally the sister <laughs> of his wife. He's like, I want to paint you while you're naked and film it. And he's like, but you have to keep it a secret. And at this point I was like, this is weird. So uh, this is one of Charlotte's favorite books, right? Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> Watch um, I'm, I'm confused. I think it's because of all the things it says about women's sexuality and like the misogyny of men and the perversion of men and that kind of thing. So I understand like the deep meaning behind it. But to me as a, as a surface level reader who has like, no deep bones in my body. It's just weird. Um, like there, I'm sure there's deeper meaning to it that I'm just not getting because I'm a fucking dumb male. Just to me, it was odd. Yeah, you're potentially not the target audience for the book. Yeah, very correct. So he, they, they go to his studio, the brother-in-law's studio. He sets up his camera and he paints her, like paints flowers on her while she's naked. And he gets her to like turn over and like paints her front and her back and things like that. Then they finish and he's like, sweet. And he filmed it and everything's all good. And then she's like, oh, like, will this come off with water? And he's like, oh yeah, it should come off after a few showers. And she was like, I don't want it to come off. Like, I really like it. And he's like, sweet. So she like goes home and then he sits in the studio and he's like sketching and he's like, you know what I really need? I need her to be painted with flowers naked. And I need a man to be painted with flowers and naked. And I need them to have sex on camera, like artistically. 
at this natural point, natural progression for any artist. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I was like, there are limits to art. Like, yeah, what what is and isn't art. Eventually, it just becomes porn. Yeah, I'm sorry, but. Art Are you saying porn. porn isn't art? Exactly, dude. If you're meant to, if you're meant to come to it, it's not porn. It's not art anymore. It's just porn. Well, I've right. come to a few Picasso pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Damn that Mona Lisa with no eyebrows got me acting art. <laughs> um. So so the guy the the brother-in-law asks the the guy who owns the studio if he would pose naked and be painted on as well. And so the guy agrees after some hesitation and then he does it. He paints them both naked and then he tries to get them in different positions and he gets them real close. And then he's like, all right, now start having sex. And the guy's like, no, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? And he's and he's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And he stops and he gets up and he leaves. And then the, the brother-in-law's like, damn. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, rats. Ah, oh, shucks. Roll credits, book over. And then the, the, the brother-in-law's like, no, it has to be me. Like, Aww. I'll do it. And so he asks the girl, he's like, he doesn't ask her outright, but he like implies it. And he like goes to her house and he like does, he like paints himself. Oh, no, he does outright ask her. He's like, oh, like, can I do it? And she's like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Um, I'm single now. Yeah. And, um, and she's a bit off the deep end. Like she's slowly losing her mind. So she agrees to it and he goes to her house and he paints himself and he sets up the camera and he basically fucks her while... Well, but they're both painted. Um, and then he falls asleep. And then his wife comes by to check on her sister and finds them and picks up the, the camera that she sees on the tripod and watches it. And she's like, wow, this is my husband fucking someone else. Sweet. So she gets real mad and like divorces him and like takes away the, their son so that he can't see him anymore. And this guy goes into hiding, like basically flees the country or like whatever. And then it cuts to the his wife's perspective. So the sister of the vegetarian. And the vegetarian has now been admitted to hospital because she has gone insane because of that incident. Like the sister called the paramedics to institutionalize her sister. Cause she was like, she's not thinking right. Like this is fucked up. Sure. Um, and they institutionalize her. And at first she's accepting of it. And then she starts hating it more and more. And she like, she basically spirals into insanity and thinks she's a tree. <laughs> Sorry. And call me off guard. she refuses to eat thinking that she can photosynthesize. And she does handstands all day because she's trying to get her branches to the sun. Because, you know, legs are just human branches, right? Yeah. And at this point, I got very confused as to what the story was Sexually trying to confused. tell. Yeah. I got a huge Oh, boner. I have the moral of the story already. What is it? Uh, if you become vegetarian or vegan, you lose your mind. Yeah, apparently. Uh, no, Explains why Charlotte full kidding. loves um, it so yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlotte, Charlotte really though. resonates with this as, <laughs> as a vegan. But, like, I... I couldn't i stopped understanding things happening like i didn't i didn't get any deeper meaning behind it at this point like i was just like oh she's crazy and so she refused to eat and she was like vomiting blood because she had no food in her stomach and her stomach acid was like eating her stomach lining and she had to be intravenously um given fluids and things like that and the last quarter of the book is the sister visiting her and her getting progressively worse to the point where they have to take her to a normal hospital to like give her food and drink through IVs and stuff. And then the book ends. Okay, so, several things. Have you ever read a book where you can't use the sentence, the meek woman? <laughs> 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 okay, second thing. Have you ever read a book that was originally written in English? <laughs> and third thing, I'm going to just give you a book yeah. where, where a guy... Saves the world, maybe kills the dragon, and the book ends. Yeah. What the fuck? Isn't this way more interesting? <laughs> uh, like, this is fucked up. This is cool. This is actually such an interesting story. Like, I'd, I'd rather read whack shit than, like, the, the average hero's journey. Like, I watch movies and TV shows to see the hero's journey. But when I read a book, like, I, I want to be interested so I keep reading it. Because, like, in a movie, if you're uninterested, you just lie there and you kind of zone, zone out. out. But in a book, if you zone out, you're not reading anymore. So it needs to grab your attention. So it's way more interesting to have a book where whack shit happens because it grabs your attention more than another book would. I guess that makes sense. But I do admit, every book I've read in the past like few weeks has been fucked up. Also has pretty much had the mention of suicide in almost everyone. Yeah, there were more things that happened in that book that were rough topics. And I just specifically glossed over them because I was like, these, are a, bit, talk these are a bit rough. <laughs> 
I will admit, like, I, I have tried to read as much, like, anime and manga as possible, and I do find a lot of that kind of literature, especially from uh, Korean manhwa and, I guess, Japanese manga. There are a lot of, like, those, I guess, abstract, like, themes to it, such as, yeah. like, the vegetarian thinking she can become a tree and photosynthesize and stuff like that. I guess, like, the way people can, I guess, lose their perspective on the world and, like, fall into insanity because, like, how their brain perceives the world. I remember reading, like, a really offshoot manhwa off, like, a pirated manhwa website. The only way to do it. Honestly. Uh, I am too poor to yeah. pay. Unless that. you go to your local manhwa store. Like, yeah. <laughs> in Brisbane, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> I often do find that they like to go into a little bit more of that abstract idea. I haven't ever heard of a series that switches perspectives to kind of get an understanding of like how someone falls to insanity, which is really interesting. I think that gives this book, I guess, that extra bit of spice that allows people to get a little bit more of a broader perspective on how someone can slowly lose to their insanity. This would definitely be a book that I would be interested in reading, and I am, like, pretty much dyslexic. <laughs> so, like, the themes aren't just someone saving the world. This is more of, like, a character study on how people lose their minds. Sure. And the people that take advantage of people that lose their minds as well. Especially, like, the brother-in-law, how he's, like, doesn't help her after she has been cast aside by her family. That kind of thing is always interesting enough to me. Sure. So, yeah. Should we start with Rowan's straight little gaming corner? I hate that name. On the topic of... Sorry, just quickly. On the topic of dyslexia, I was at work the other day, and I tried to make small talk to the students. So I was just, like, talking while I was, like, fixing a kid's laptop. And I was just asking, um, I, like, students like playing Wordle? What are they doing? The student just looked at me blank face and just said, I'd like to, but I'm fucking dyslexic. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not know what to say to that. <laughs> um, yes, Rowan's straight little game corner. So I've been playing more of Journey of the Savage Planet, which I talked about on the second episode. Is this the one with the obelisk that, um... Big old tower. Yeah, that some intelligent species has created, and then you cucked me by not telling me how, anything else about it. <laughs> so the only notable thing I've done since we've last spoken about it is I killed a boss called the Floop Snoot Matriarch. That's actually what I call Charlotte when we sat <laughs> 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 Um, And I'm still like... Waiting to get to the top of the house and to figure out what the fuck is going on. So you cucked us again because yes. you haven't finished anything. I actually wanted just to remind you guys that you're being cucked. Dude, you are uh, edging us right now mm -hmm. and it's brutal. And when you come, I lose. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. I it's like sex. First one to come loses. <laughs> I always lose. <laughs> Dude, it's a race to you, apparently. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a race, not a marathon. Go for Emma, a world record here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Emma is giving me the most disappointed look. <laughs> when she heard that it's because this is real to her it's a joke it's a joke to you to her it's her life um, and then played a fuck ton more Horizon Zero Dawn mm. oh but I finished that it's sick yeah one of my main criticisms with the game when I last talked about it was the difficulty curve just has a giant spike I have made that spike my bitch I am now a god of death so just as I was feeling too powerful Horizon Zero Dawn I thought I need to be my ego needs to go down a few pegs. So I started playing Bloodborne. Oh, yeah. Oh. Damn, that game just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, lean I'm forward. A... No. Damn, that game just... Real. It's a hard game. I'm not sure if people know this about Bloodborne, but it's like... It's a very hard game. I've heard Souls-like games are quite difficult. Yeah, you? and um, I heard that it was the blood. It was the Dark Souls game of Dark Souls. It's yeah. <laughs> Bloodborne is the Bloodborne of Dark Souls. <laughs> you guys... We're all close enough to Kia, so I just want everybody to know that. We're doing it. I <laughs> uh, just wanted to go on Horizon Zero Dawn. As someone who has finished it, the way you described it in the podcast was a massive disservice to it. Um, I've, had, I've had two people tell me that about Ron's description of games. Uh. That, that he's like that he's like butchered the description. <laughs> I, need, I need to clarify. Oh, I'm going to sound like a fucking asshole. I have a degree in game development. <laughs> <laughs> it is hard for me to play a game and be like, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. Mm. Yeah. Um, so often when I talk about a game and it sounds like I'm really not liking it, I am. It's just... You can notice the flaws. That I can notice the notice. flaws, but the fact that I keep playing it is a shows, to you enjoying it. Shows 
That, yeah, exactly. How the good parts are so good that it keeps you playing. No, I will say that in Horizon Zero Dawn, I always wondered how the world got to a point where it was, like, completely changed. Why are robots now, like, animals? Especially the fact that they were feasting or, like, eating, like, dirt and grass and all that stuff. That was the interesting part of me of, like, how it became. Do you mind about spoilers? No, no, no. I just spoiled the whole book. Yeah. Cool. Turns out that there was an AI that went rogue um, by a private corporation. Fuck capitalism, by the way. Um, so what ended up happening was the world turned to shit and they went, well, we actually can't save the world, but what we can do is just make a new world, re-terraform it, and make this other AI be able to create a new world that life can thrive again and all that kind of stuff. And I really, really liked the way that they described what they needed for the environment to be able to sustain life and what robots could be because it was self-sufficient. It made its own um, machines that could, like, create uh, enough carbon dioxide and oxygen balance for life to grow. Yep. I think I understand why people don't like the way I describe games now. Cooper just described Horizon Zero Dawn like it was a book. <laughs> Exclaimed the plot that happens. I describe the moment-to-moment really boring gameplay. Yeah. I, I will admit, it's running from... Oh, running, I enjoy it. Yeah. But what you do most of the time is move from point A to point B. Yeah. Kill monsters That's in the way. boring as fuck. It's yeah. Fighting the robots is fun. But, like, it's like if you'd asked me to describe The Witcher 3, most people would be, like, talking about, like, a really quest line they liked. They'd be talking about the plot overall. I'd just be like, so I spend most of the time going from point A to point B, doing sometimes doing a fun fight quest, yeah. and then fighting, like, weird little zombies. I think the gameplay is more interesting than the plot, because the plot, you can just look up a wiki, but, like, gameplay, you actually have to have someone who's experienced to talk yeah. about it, yeah, and, like, I true. find that more interesting. That's why I like playing games where the gameplay and the plot are, like, intertwined. That's why mm. I liked fucking mm. unpacking. The right. gameplay is the plot. Yeah, true. That's why I like a lot of, like, walking simulators, like, What Remains of Edith Finch, The Beginner's Guide, Sand Parable, those games... Playing Portal the game two, is yeah. the block. Portal 2, exactly. Mm. I guess your perspective is more about the game mechanics, and that was me describing about the narrative of the yeah. story. See, because if you describe a game like Horizon Zero Dawn, if you try and sell it to someone by just talking about the story, they're going to go in expecting to experience the story. Mm. 95% of what you're doing is playing the game. 5% is experiencing the story. Yeah. So I try to be realistic with, like, this is what you're going to spend most of your time doing. Yeah. You don't play Horizon Zero Dawn for the story. You play for the gameplay. The story is just there to accommodate exactly. the gameplay. Yeah. Like, that's like telling someone to play Dark Souls for the story. <laughs> yeah. You know, Dude, make sure you read the item description of everything you pick up, and then you'll have a quarter of the information that you should have. <laughs> and that quarter will be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually pretty much exactly what's been happening with me playing Bloodborne. Mm. I don't know what the fuck is going on there. Placenta. Oh yeah, didn't like Kotaki once write a fucking article about how Bloodborne is about going back to your mother's room to be rebirthed? Notably, Uh, that got debunked real quickly. Really quickly. (laughs) Real quickly. Good. It's like eldritch horrors, right? Yeah, it's just essentially uh, Cthulhu, but also werewolves. Sounds cool. Um, The enemies have really thick British accents, which makes it funny when you kill them. Because they're like, Oi, oi, you killed me, didn't you? You know, it's not at all. Um, It's... It's, uh, hello, governor. <laughs> Don't stab me in the sternum, minute. <laughs> rah, rah. Um, it's interesting because as someone who plays Dark Souls very defensively, big shield, big weapon. If I can block it, I'll block it. If I have to dodge, I'll dodge. Bloodborne doesn't let you do that. Mm. It's a very aggressive game. There's one shield in the game. It breaks in one hit. And the item description is... Hunters usually don't use shields because of how fucking big the enemies are. Um, Also, shields just make you a passive little bitch is essentially the... (laughs) The actual exact wording is... Shields are nice, but not if they engender passivity. Uh, Just to to close close off my thoughts on Bloodborne, because the producer is frowning at me saying I was strapped for time. Um... Killed a couple of bosses. Mm. Almost every boss in the game can be described as a big, freaky, furry thing. Or just another dude that looks like a bit of a hunter. Combat is really fast-paced and fun, especially if you played a, like, crest, fucking, like, grass crest shield Dark Souls run. Yeah. Really enjoying the pace of it. As someone who played all of Dark Souls very defensively, being forced to play really offensively is a lot of fun. Mm. So I don't know what the fuck's going on in the story. Yeah, who does? Literally. No one. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think it's time for, for Thing of the Week. 
I'm so concerned. So do, do we know what thing of the week are is? We, are, we, are we back? Are we talking yeah, about sure. What's yeah, up? Okay. Yeah. Um, welcome back. Uh, so this is my thing of the week. Um, a little bit of context. Uh, I travel the world teaching skiing and snowboarding. So I'm a snow sports instructor and a coach. What I wanted to talk to you today was what's in my backpack or what's my equipment for when I go backcountry touring. Cool. So there's a few different um, And my guests alone live with the noise. Yeah. Um, this is going to be hell to edit. <laughs> I think you just keep it in. There's a few things that we actually use in backcountry uh, snowboarding uh, in particular. So there's normal snowboarding, which is where you just have your board is all in one piece. In backcountry touring, you have no lifts. So you're literally out in the middle of nowhere and you are trying to find mountains that are untouched by humans, essentially out in the wilderness as much as you possibly can. In our backpack is a few survival things that we need to have and also our equipment. Are we getting a lesson as thing of the week in snowboarding? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. How to survive in the wilderness in case you snowboard off a cliff. I've um, just been handed a shovel in two pieces. I've just been handed tent pegs. I'm just, oh, not tent pegs, fucking tent poles, question mark. So when I handle, handed Rowan, which was what we call a beacon, this is your most... Uh, important equipment in this entire thing. This is the only thing that I would say you have to have. So what it actually is there for is if you get caught in an avalanche, people with other beacons can find you in an avalanche. The, it pretty much emits a frequency that is picked up by other beacons. And if you're caught in an avalanche, people can actually find you with that beacon. Once you find a person, we have our probe. Yes, just like an alien probe in your ass. Um, he's yeah. been he's been writing that one for days. Like, <laughs> what is going to be the zinger? Um, so when you're actually found someone in the general vicinity, you have to do a plotted out like I guess like spiral to try to find the person buried under the snow. That's what this probe is. You're literally sticking this probe, like stabbing the ground, and stabbing the ground to try to find someone. Once you hit that person, you know where they are. And you can finally rescue I'm them. assuming it's if you're stabbing the snow, you know the difference between how it feels to stab snow and stabbing a human Extreme. body. It yeah. is it is a very big difference. In an avalanche especially, you can get caught in like very large chunks of snow, which is even worse than drowning because it's like actual suffocating in cold. solid water. Like Cause it's Because I'm, I'm chilly. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I forgot my jacket at home. Yeah, I'm but, not wearing thick socks. And then... What we use is this compact shovel. This is a super quick shovel. Um, it's meant to be as compact as possible so you can travel with it as light as possible. Literally just there in case you need to literally shovel someone out of the snow. Um, you have roughly about between five to 10 minutes before someone is like unsavable. Sure. Uh, yeah, so you have to work very, very quickly. Grim. After all the Satan talk in this episode, I think my uncle's gonna call me unsavable. <laughs> for a very different reason um, and so when I do say that you know snowboarding is really interesting in all kinds of forms such as uh, snowboarding in a resort and stuff like that backcountry is otherworldly you will Die. be amazed at how beautiful the world is uh, there's a lot of things that astronauts talk about when they see space and they see the world and they feel so small in something in something so grandiose that it kind of like reinvigorates them and th makes them feel like in awe of the world. I, I think I get the same thing from uh, backcountry skiing. You are at the stretches of civilization and it is so peaceful. It is actually the calmest I have been in very dark times in my life. So a few things that we need to do, we need our snowboard. Um, still going. Skis. <laughs> Don't talk while you're grabbing things. Yes. Yeah. Thing of the week notably, five minute segment. Also, does he know that the viewers can't see any of this? <laughs> so I literally just unclipped my bindings in a very fast way because our snowboard actually splits in half. In backcountry, we need to be able to literally climb mountains, uh, which means that we split a snowboard in half. So we have a few special clips that kind of put them together. You'll see us being able to lift our heels and we literally walk up the mountain over and over and over again. What we have to climb up the hill, because 
obviously the bottom of our snowboard is very slippery in order to go down the hill. We have these things called skins. Now, uh, the first recorded pair of skis found in Mongolia, uh, and they actually used seal skin on the bottom of their skis because uh, it was able to go uphill in snow and downhill um, perfectly fine. So what skins actually do is they replicate the same thing. So if you rub downwards, it's super smooth. It feels like the heart of you... a springbok in Africa. <laughs> feels like a hairless cat. <laughs> when the snow actually is, when it goes the opposite way of the fabric, it actually grips onto the snow because the, the fabric is pulled. I do want to say that it does take a lot out of you. You can be a very seasoned snowboarder, but if you have never done backcountry skiing, it is so much different. Um, is this like you're gonna have a quiz? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was thing of the week this week. Thing of the week next week, I'm gonna pick a topic and Rowan's gonna pick his favorite from that topic. And the topic is comic books. Oh, fuck. Okay. I want okay. you to pick a comic book you really like or love or your favorite or something that's really interesting and I'll read it as well and then we can talk about it next week. Hope you like Batman. I do. Hell yeah. I'm excited. I love that angsty teen. Notably, at least 30. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. This has been One and a Half Straight Guys. I'm Alex. I'm Rowan. And I'm Cooper. And we will see you next time. Bye. Except Cooper, he won't be here. Cooper's not going to be. I'm always here. <laughs>